is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe at iTunes or any place you get podcasts, or you can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Heidi Harris Show podcast. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. You can also catch my live radio show five days a week. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on KMZQ. That's AM 670 in Las Vegas. If you forget all that, just go to HeidiHarris.com. There's a link to listen live to the show there, and all the information is up there. Okay, I've been doing talk radio for 22 years, and over the course of my career, I've interviewed a lot of really interesting people. Some of the most memorable interviews I'm going to start posting on my podcast on occasion, digging through my archives. Here's one that I thought you'd appreciate. Henry Hill is the mobster whose life is portrayed in the movie Goodfellas. He joined me a few years back. He's since passed on, but we had a fantastic interview about Goodfellas. Now, if you've not seen the movie or if you've seen it and it's been a while, you need to watch it again because we're going to make a lot of very specific references to the movie versus real life. Here's my chat with Henry Hill. Henry, welcome to the Heidi Harris Show. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you. And your friend Denny Griffin is with you. And Denny Griffin's been in studio with me before. Nice to see you, Denny. Thank you very much, Heidi. Glad to have you. So now, geez, where do I start? You kind of were attracted to the mob lifestyle pretty early. I mean, as a little kid, you could see that these people were living a good life. They're dressing nice. They're treated nice. And you just didn't see going doing a nine-to-five job as exciting enough. I mean, I, I worked hard as a little kid. I mean, I, I started washing cars and limousines for them in the cab stand and limousine service. Right. And, uh, and I mean, you know, you see these guys, uh, you know, with big dime pinky rings and wads of hundreds and bimbos on one arm or two arms, you know, and uh, it was intoxicating as a kid. Sure. You know? I mean, you know, I thought I was, a, I, I thought I was born a poor, you know, I, you know, I came from a, you know, a blue collar neighborhood and, you know, my dad was a, you know, an electrician and, you know, and I, I mean. Well, the, the first problem was I was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? okay. You know, and they didn't know what that was as a, you know back in those days. So school was just a chore for you at that time. It was. I mean, I, I you know I couldn't read or write until I was uh, you know later on, much later on in life. Interesting. So you were frustrated every day. You didn't feel like you were learning everything. You saw the kind of lifestyle they were leading. Some of these guys. And you know, I used to get a lot of attaboys and ten dollar you know ten dollar bills and you know. I was making as much money as my dad when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. Now, was your dad really as ticked off as he's portrayed in the movie when he found out you were associated with these guys and you weren't going to school and the school was sending letters home, things like that? Is that Absolutely. true? Absolutely. Oh, I call more beatings. <laughs> no, <laughs> now, was, overall, was the movie Goodfellas pretty accurate about your life? It was, it was 99.8%. Well, that's I mean, pretty good. No, no, really. I mean, Scorsese did an unbelievable job. I mean, there was nothing fabricated. You know, there was so much stuff they had to take out. They they took thirty six minutes out of that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. What did they take out of the movie that you think? A lot of violence stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of. They left plenty of violence in, like the guy in the. Let's talk about the guy in the back of the trunk. I'm gonna, I'm going to skip around, but that's all right. <laughs> let's talk about the guy in the back of the trunk. Okay, so you so you killed this guy because the Joe Pesci. Kill him. Well, no, you didn't. But they <laughs> no. That's true. Did you ever kill anybody ever? Not Tell the truth. Fess up time. No, no, not that I know of. I mean, you know. Not that you we had know of? rights in the street. No, no, seriously. And I sold drugs. So I guess, you know, and I was there for. Nobody you ever personally stuffed in a trunk is what you're telling me. I stuffed a few people. But you didn't kill anybody and stuff them in no, a trunk. I didn't put a gun to anyone. For somebody else. Okay. So yeah. that, that's a true story when you stuffed the guy in the trunk and you thought he was dead. And then was he really alive when he got, got to the burial yeah. ground? Yeah. I was sitting in the backseat. Uh, Tommy was driving. And, and the guy is hitting, he's trying to get out of the truck. Oh, my God. I'm just sad. 
I mean, you, you, in the movie, I mean, they, no, no, no. they portray it in the movie as, you know, Ray, Liot- Ray Liotta, which, of course, is you, mm-hmm. saying, what is it? Somebody, somebody had got a flat, something going on. You had to know it was him. Of course. I mean, yeah, I, I was sitting in the back seat, and uh, Tommy was driving. Right. We were sitting in uh-huh. the, you know, the other seat, and, you know, yeah, boom, boom, boom. You knew nobody ran over anything. You knew the guy was still alive. Of course. So did they. That's got to be a creepy feeling to be it a part was. of somebody's death, isn't it? Even if you're not actually the one doing it. Very creepy and very sick and very, you know, disturbing. But do you get to the point when you're in the mob where you, you, you I guess you kind of get, I don't want to say immune to it, but you realize that if you don't do some of these people, they're going to kill you. Is that kind of how you justify <clears throat> it? Well, you couldn't, sh- there's no way that you could show a sign of weakness. Anything he was asked to do, if you didn't do it, then you was, wow. You know, it, it, it was a sign of weakness. So you had to, you know, even if, you know, you didn't want to do it, you know, you didn't want to hit the guy in the head with a baseball bat, you know, to collect 4,000 of the OJ. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the uh, the brutality and the, but you had to, you had to follow that, that line, you right. know what I mean? And you had to be part of, you know, even though I wasn't a full Italian, a made guy, I was still part of a crew. And if you showed weakness, you were going to get whacked. Well, yeah, because they knew that at that point they would know they couldn't trust you. Exactly. And that you might say something. So you had, now in the one scene where the, in the poker game, where the Joe Pesci character, who, was he really as crazy as he seemed, was he portrayed in the he movie? Was more, much more crazy. So why didn't they kill him? Why didn't they, so, they to, did eventually. Yeah, but, but to me, you know, when this guy was starting problems in restaurants and all these kind of things, to me he seemed like such a loose cannon. I'm surprised they wouldn't have killed him sooner. Just because you couldn't trust what he was going to do or who he was going to shoot. And he was, a, but he was a good earner and he was a, he was a whacker for Jimmy and Jimmy protected him. Uh, you know, Jimmy protected him like a son. And, uh, you know, the Nero character, you know. Tommy, Tommy was insane, totally homicidal, maniac, uh, whatever. I mean, there, there isn't any words that, you know, you can describe. He wasn't a human being. He killed his own brother. Mm-hmm. He, he whacked his own brother. So, so a guy like that, but as long as they can keep him in line, they figure, okay, maybe he's a little nuts, but as long as he's pre- behaving and doing what we need him to do, it's okay to keep exactly. him alive. You know, he's, he come up with good scores, and, you know, he was an earner, and, he, you know, he did what he had to do. Mm-hmm. What yeah. about De Niro? What, were you, were you uh, excited to meet? Did you get to meet De Niro or anything like that on the set? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, of course. So, Not on the set, but, I, you know, I met him after. Now, when they were making this movie, were you still in hiding? Of course. Yeah. You, so how long have you been out of hiding? Uh... I was kicked out of witness protection program quite a few times. <laughs> the, yeah. the U.S. attorneys had to fly to Washington many times to, you know, get me, you know. Because you were getting out of line. Well, you know, getting drunk and, you know, getting mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah. You know, that, you know, got into drugs for a while, you know, and uh, I don't do drugs anymore. I don't recommend anybody do drugs, children, kids, adults. I mean, per, you know, personally, I was, I was addicted and, I'm, you know, I, fortunately... I walked away from drugs. I still like to tip a few once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, like a beer here and there. Is it tough going into the uh, witness protection program because now you're supposed to live kind of a normal, boring life? And if you lived a life in the mob, and, you know, the reason you're in it, partly money, but partly the excitement, it's different every day, and then you go into kind of a mundane lifestyle. Is it tough to adapt to that? I don't think I ever went into a mundane lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Doesn't sound like it. No, for seven. <laughs> well, seven if, you, if you're doing what they're, you're supposed to be doing, Henry Hill, then maybe it is mundane, but not for you, I guess. No, I mean, you know, I, for seven years I testified. And, I, you know, I would spend three weeks out of every month either at a neutral site, you know, being debriefed or, uh, or preparing for trials. I mean, because that's what it takes, you know. And uh, it was just from, you know, up against, 
the best lawyers in the country. Now the crew is, is submitting questions here to me because they all they're they've all seen the movie a million times and they're fascinated by this. Couple of things. There was a scene in the movie where Joe Pesci was told to go get his shine box. By Billy Bats. That, by Billy Bats, you, who you killed later on. That you didn't kill, but they killed later that night. Was that a true story? Absolutely. You know, and they killed him in my restaurant. Uh, it, it, you know, it, between the lines, uh, Billy had just come home from doing six years. And Jimmy had taken over the, uh, you know, Queens and Forest Hills area, the shellac and then, the, you know, loan shocking and bookmaking business. And Billy wanted it back. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, you've been gone six years. Too bad somebody else has taken your spot kind of thing. So you guys walk in, start having a conversation. The Joe Pesci character comes in with a girl. And well, he was there all night. He was there all night. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Billy was a devil all night, coked up, drinking, uh, you know, with uh, somebody else. And, uh, you know, then Tommy walked in with Cracklin' Rosie. <laughs> that was <it>. Cracklin' Rosie. <laughs> Do we ever see her again? That was a one-shot deal or what? No, no, she's, she lives in Arizona. Cracklin' Rosie. All righty then. Yeah, okay. Rosie something. Rather. Was a song written about her? I'm just curious. No. Okay. <laughs> just checking. So he walks in with her. So you don't, yeah, you don't insult somebody in front of the no, girlfriend. No, no, no. And he didn't have a pistol on him. So keep him away. You know, he's That's what Tommy him. said to keep Billy Bats away from no, him. No, no. Keep Billy here. Till I get back. Right, okay. And you knew there was going to be... Rosie home. Right, that, you knew there was going to be trouble. Duh. <laughs> yeah. So, but you came back, and in the movie, the Ray Liotta character, you, did tr- kind of tried to stop it. You didn't want to see that happen, right? I knew there was no stopping time. Right. You know, and Jimmy either. Mm-hmm. Because I Jimmy knew, the De Niro character yeah, for yeah. those, yeah. You know, because you know, there was a whole lot more involved than go get your shot. Yeah, it was, it was a long, long, uh, long history between them. Exactly, and... Uh, so basically, all you could do is lock the door, make sure no one else came in while the murder took well, place. Yeah, we had to get rid of the, you know, the, all the customers in the place, and it was four in the morning. Well, we used to be stay open like twenty four hours in yeah. Vegas, but uh, you know, and uh, I knew, I knew, you know, and Jimmy says, pull a car around the front, you know, make sure you're right in front of the, you know. So, I mean, the handwriting was on a wall, I, you know. You knew it was going to happen. There's no yeah. point you trying to get involved at that no. point. Did you know Billy Bats for a long time before this particular evening? Not really. I mean, he was a Gambino, and he, you know, he was a made guy. I had seen him. He used to come in my club all the time. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that. You're not allowed to kill a made guy unless you get permission from somebody higher up, and that was where Tommy made his mistake, right? Not really. Not really. See, Jimmy Burke's crew, which was Tommy, me, and uh, all the other guys. Okay. Were, I mean, that's the Pesci character, the De Niro character, and you. Yeah, and okay. Then, and then, you know, and there was a whole bunch of other guys involved, a lot of Westies, uh, you know, guys from uh, Hell's Kitchen. But uh, we could just about do anything. I mean, because we, we, we had, we, we didn't have to, I mean, we had to count to Paulie, but Paulie was, you know, powerful enough that no matter what we did, he could make it okay with the higher ups, but but it, so it was so Jimmy. It was okay for Jimmy to kill this guy because if it was okay, then how come Jimmy killed him and you guys buried him out in the middle of nowhere and never wanted anybody to find his body? Not in the middle of nowhere. We were buried on a friend of ours horse. I mean, not horse. Right, but no one. The objective was for no one to find him. He of just course. disappeared. I mean, yeah, he vanished. And then when Paul asked you about it, you said you didn't know anything about it. Not only he asked me, every every Gambino soldier, you know. Try to pick what happened friend. to Billy Bats? And well, you all we know said, that he was here. That he, well, he left. You know, yeah. well, I know what happened to him. He ran away. To, he was in a uh, sheet, but don't worry about it. No, he, he ran away with his, his new girlfriend. They're, they're, they're in the Virgin Islands or somewhere living. So you take this guy out. You guys, you guys, you stuff him in the trunk. You take him out in nowhere. You find out when you open the trunk, he's still alive. The Joe Pesci character, Tommy, in real life, uh, finishes him off with a knife, real grisly. You, you bury him, and then you have to move him. Right? right? Dig him up. Yeah, because... The, the property that we buried him on, uh, this 
big bookmaker's property. He had a German Shepherd uh, ranch. You know, he used to raise shepherds. And uh, he had sold it. And he says, you know, I says, I just sold my place. We was at a restaurant one night. And Ralph says to Jimmy, you know, we sold the, uh, he says, I sold my property in Connecticut. And, uh, and uh, I'm, uh, uh, they're going to build condos on it. In fact, the bulldozers are up there. Uh-oh. That's not, that's not a good thing. <laughs> and it was in December when we buried the guy. So he was, you know, only a couple of feet down. Right. Was, you know, they were going to find him. So you had to dig him up. Had to dig him up again. Did you really get as sick as a Ray Liotta character did in the, in the movie? I mean, that has to be awful. I was very sick. And so you I, dug him up, and you, where'd you put him then? Somewhere. In the basement of Robert's Lounge. Really? No. <laughs> yeah, with a sack of lime this time. We had no lime the first time we got it. Well, you ought to plan better. You know, you ought to bring lime if, you're gonna, if you guys are going to be killing these people. We're speaking with Henry Hill. The movie Goodfellas <laughs> is based on his life. So, you, so the second time you had the lime you prepared, you buried him in somebody's basement. Hey, where's Jimmy Hoffa? Any idea? Yeah, no, under, under the goalpost. That's what they say. I just figured I'd get the real, the real, uh, the real scoop. I have no clue. Real shame. scoop out of So you moved the guy. But now, now, had the bulldozers found Billy Bats on this property, mm-hmm. uh, what would have happened? I mean, it w- obviously he would have been dead. I guess they never planned to find Tony Spilatro either. They were, he was found. So if that happens... Well, the feds would have come in because we crossed the state line. And, okay, you know, so, so now it's a big I mean, federal thing. Yeah. It's not about Paul. It's not about the, the upper boss. It's about the feds getting involved because now there's a body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The okay. feds wouldn't care if you killed a, a dozen of those guys. Right, but now they get, they get involved. Get the boys. Start nosing, <laughs> start nosing around in your business. That's interesting. Now, your wife, Karen, is portrayed in the movie by uh, Lorraine Bracco, who's beautiful, still beautiful, beautiful back then. Was your wife, Karen, as pretty as Lorraine Bracco? Very much so. So how come you're out screwing around on her? What's the matter with you? You got, you got steak I mean, at home and you're out going for hamburger. Every, every guy, that, you, know, you had to have a girlfriend. I mean, you, know, you just had to, or two girlfriends. You know, I mean, it was just a guy thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe the kids are, are more monogamous today. I, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt they are. But you always wonder, because it seems like all the mobsters, you know, they, and of course a lot of other people do this too, but you know, it's pretty widespread. You have the girlfriend, like in the movie, they said Friday night was for the girlfriends, Saturday night was for the wives. Is that true? Absolutely. At the Copa anyway. But the wives have to know that, right? I mean, if I were a wife, I'd show up on Friday night. Uh, it wouldn't take me long to figure it out. I think that they were, you know, t- home taking care of the kids, uh, out shopping. Uh, I mean, they don't ask a lot of questions. We kept them busy. Yeah, we kept them busy. I imagine. So this Janice girl was, yeah. in the movie portrayed. Now, who? Now, who was this girl? This is the girl you were cheating on. He set up in an apartment or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, whatever happened with her? She married very well. Did she? <laughs> did she? The Firestones, actually. So, oh, did she? I had no idea. So your wife was ready to that kill this girl. That that was not a real name. No, well, Linda. No, Linda was the one that I, I went out with Linda for eleven. She passed away a couple of. Uh, Couple years ago. Is that the one you got involved with after you got out of prison? Who was the druggie? That's the one that portrayed in no, the movie. No, 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 no. See, they combined two. I had two girlfriends. Busy <laughs> guy. With Janice, Janice and Linda, and uh, and you know, Janice was involved with the drugs. I mean, Linda did. You know, she snorted a little. She took a toot here and there. You know, only on weekends. <laughs> so that part of it wasn't, it was kind of a, com- a combination of girls. So you had the one girl, then you went into prison, then you got out of prison, and then you hooked up with a girl you had actually met at Janice's place prior to. Correct. Okay. And so, you, I mean, now once you get a well, girlfriend. She was my sister-in-law's uh, schoolmate. You know, she was a lot younger. You were a busy guy. So you were married to J- Karen for 25 years. She didn't kill you. You got finally got divorced. She almost did. She's... So that scene is true of her with, the, with the gun over the top absolutely. of you in the bed? I'd, I'd come home after two days or three days out and passed out. She straddles me, and she got my pistol, and she cocks it back, and she, get up, get up. She's smacking me in the face, and she, her hands are shaking, and all I can see is that 
is the copper in the, in the cylinder, the fucking revolver. That's scary. And That's funny. Tell me about it. So she's going to, sh- you know, nothing's worse than a woman with a sh- shaking hand with a gun in it your was, face. Honest to God, I mean, she, you know, she, you got it. What are you doing? You know, I mean, she was really upset. I think she was quite, quite. Well, I think she was probably upset. Well, I can understand why she was upset. <laughs> why? Well, you know, Henry Hill, mobster. <laughs> I can understand why she was Everybody upset. Everybody else did. But, I mean, well, I couldn't do it. But you had to love cool. that. But you had to love that about her because one of the reasons you married her is because she was fiery to begin with, right? She was, she was very smart. A bunch of books you've written and other people have written about you. Talk about those for a second. Well, I've I, I personally written four books. My latest book is Gangsters and Goodfellas, Life in a Witness Protection Program. Uh, it's out there in all the stores. All, all my books are in the store. I wrote a cookbook. I'm, I'm working on in The Untold Stories of Henry Hill now. Uh, also, wise guy, Nick Pledge, wrote that, you know. Wise guy, written, yeah, Nick Pledge, wrote that about you, right? The movie was based on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I know, the, the Good Father Guide to New York, it's a, it's a fun, I mean, if you want to go, like, on a mob tour. Oh, like yeah. Like, we're having a mob tour. They have night. one here, yeah. Absolutely. You know, That's a, I mean, yeah. It, 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 it's, you know, it's a lot of trivia, a lot of, oh, sure. it's a fun book. That is interesting. Now, you actually wrote a cookbook based on some of the experiences in jail? No, it was actually all my mother's, my sister's recipes. My mother, my mother was born in Sicily, you know, and it, it's an Italian cookbook, and it's all original recipes, very simple, quick to make, uh, I mean, and fantastic and delicious. Now, talk about the time you were, you actually did do a term in jail because you roughed up a guy, the wrong guy. Yeah, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about the first time because you roughed up a guy, and sadly his sister had some connections that weren't, Good for you. She worked for the FBI. That's not ever a good thing, to rough up the brother of a girl who works for well, the she, FBI. I mean, he was a bookmaker. He was a bookmaker. It didn't pay Casey, the head of the union. That uh, we, had, I, we had went to Florida that weekend. to. Uh, I was, I was going to be a business agent in the uh, at Disney World. So I had to get the okay from Santos, Jeff Conte. And anyway, uh, but while we were there, you know, this guy owes me fourteen thousand. While you're there, why don't you beat up a guy? You know, well, you go know, to we, Disneyland, beat up a guy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Something that could put part of the trip, but just anyway, a business trip. Can, well, can, can you write that off as a business trip if you beat up a guy while you're down there on vacation? Well, uh, the union pays for it anyway. So <laughs> all right, okay, it doesn't matter then. Okay, I'm just as if you file taxes, right? Pays for it. <laughs> okay, so so you rough up the guy, yeah. and his sister worked for the FBI, so you she didn't get away with it. Okay. And when he went home with, uh, you know, 38 stitches in his head, uh, his sister got curious. So why did he rat, though? I mean, isn't he a rat for... Don't they usually just keep their mouths shut when they get roughed up because they know it could be worse for them if they tell anyone? Of course, but he he had... I guess he told his sister, you know. uh, Mm -hmm. He was a bookmaker, come on. She knew. I mean, he owned a bar, a big bar in Tampa, and it was, uh, you know... You don't have to be, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Yeah, so I mean, you, you, so you, you come home with, you know, yeah, so you want to, up. so how long were you in prison? Did you actually serve? Ten years, I got ten years. And you got out early, though? And you got out early? Uh, well, a few months early. Yeah. And, you know, then we, uh, then we jumped to Lufthansa and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so before the Lufthansa uh, theft, let's talk about the prison. How was, how was prison life? Was it, was it worse than you imagined? Not, not for us guys. You know, we, we lived in honor domes. We had uh, just about everything that we wanted, you know, as long as we had the money. Because you were paying off all the guards and everybody? Yeah, the, the hacks. Yeah, I mean, back back in those days, you could get away with that stuff. I don't know if it goes on today. I have no clue. I haven't been in prison in a long time, thank God. And, I, uh, you know, and uh, I'm sure it's, to some extent it goes on. But we had a lot of money, and we were treated a lot differently in prison. You know, no one messed with us, and, and we did. We cooked. 
and you know, I mean, that, that, that was all true. There's a lot to be said for that. It's a better, better way of living if you have. So you get out of prison and uh, you pull off the Lufthansa. Talk about that for a second for those who did not see. Yeah, well, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, uh, that was our first big score, you know, at, you know, when we got out of prison, and uh, it was very successful. Six million dollars. It was a, a little more than that, but uh, that you know, six million in cash and plus a few million in diamonds and rubies and sapphire rubies. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a good score. It was the score of a lifetime for everybody, but Jimmy and Paulie got nuts. You know what I mean? And well, some of the guys that actually, you know, I put the score together. Me and me, Jimmy and Marty, you know, uh, Maury in the movie. Uh, and uh, but Jimmy got really paranoid, and uh, he started whacking everybody because people were buying, you know, furs for their wives. And who's the guy who bought the pink Cadillac? Johnny Rosebeef. And is it true that he got killed in the pink Cadillac with his wife? Absolutely, yeah. And he, I mean, there was another woman killed too, uh, Teresa Ferrara, but it's another story. Who did? Who did the? Who killed them? Uh, I have no idea. I didn't. You lose track after a few of those, right? I mean, you know, he was. Uh, well, they killed Stacks first. Tommy kills. I mean, you know, that world is so sick and so insane mm-hmm. and so violent, you know, and uh, vicious. You, you can't trust your best friend because he's going to come and whack you, you know, and uh, that's the way it was. Yeah. I mean, that's that life. You know, it's so abnormal. I mean, so uh, so different than, than reality. It's completely opposite of the real world, you know, the, the world of oh, uh, organized sure. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it's a, it's a terrible way to live, and I, I don't recommend it to any youngster out there, even old old guy out there, you know. If, if you didn't get out, there's a way to get out, you know. And How do you get out? I can't, if you, other than going to the witness protection program, and we'll talk about that in a minute, why, why you chose to do that. Is there a way to get out? I mean, you got in, you thought it was exciting, it was this and that. Is it possible to go straight at some period of time without ratting your friends out? Well, I, I mean, I tried it. I joined the Army. I, you know, I joined the 82nd Airborne as a, you know, as a, when I was 17. I figured, let me get away from these people. Uh, one of my sisters uh, made me uh, come live with her on Long Island. You know, to get out of the city. I, I mean, it, that lifestyle is so intoxicating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have put me in the... Egypt. <laughs> yeah, I know where Egypt. you're going. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I would eventually run my way home. Yeah. You know, because I mean, the life was just, you couldn't... So you took the good with the bad. There was some bad, obviously, but the good overwhelmed you. Exactly. The intrigue, the money, the excitement, all that kind of stuff was uh, was well, much better than the bad I mean, it's an intoxicating lifestyle. Yeah, you have yeah, to... I mean, it's a sick, very sick lifestyle. I mean, you you hustle from morning till the next morning. Right. You know, and you, you do a lot of horrible things. I did a lot of horrible things in my life. You know, I mean, you know, that I'm very ashamed of today. You know, and, uh, but, you know, I've changed my life. You know, I, I learned how to paint. I became an artist. We'll talk about we'll yeah. talk about the witness protection program. I want to go back to, the, to something about the lifestyle. When you get married and you're a mobster, and, uh, you know, when you first met your wife, Karen, she did not know what you did for a living. Absolutely not. How soon? I mean, come on. You, the diamonds in the first start showing up, the fancy house. You know, it doesn't take long for the wife to figure out that the husband's not working at a bank nine to five. All right. So yeah, right. At, at that point, the women do the same thing you do. They well, compromise. They, they, they say, of, that's right. Well, they say, you know what? My husband is doing some shady things at night. But you know what? I'm going to overlook that because I'm getting all these goodies. So they start to get into, they, you know, so they can't complain too much about the downside of you out partying all night long because look how they're living, right? Well, who's that taking care of business? Right. We weren't partying. <laughs> yeah, but, but my, with other chicks and stuff. But my point is that they are, they also are, they're deciding that they, the good outweighs the bad. They part of that whole 
that whole lifestyle. Uh-huh. And they, the only people that they associate with is other wise guys' wives. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's not like, I mean, you go into a cop bar. Nothing but cops right. and their wives or their girlfriends on certain nights. Right. <laughs> they, they know better, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, what about what about the wives? Do mob wives ever leave their husbands? And, I mean, are there ever divorces? And uh, do they ever kill these women rather than risk them saying anything to the cops? Or do women just go away quietly, get the child support, and keep their mouths shut? And that's got to happen that they get disgusted and leave. Yeah, but not really. I mean, you know, they, uh, they attempt it. You know, I mean... It, it, my wife knew I was cheating. Come on. Of course you know she I mean? knew. And she just I, didn't care. Yeah, she put up with it. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? You know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? well, let me understand this, because I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. <laughs> that's, uh, that was uh, Joe Pesci in the Goodfellas movie. Now, that's tell me how that happened. I did not realize, Henry Hill, uh, that that's, that's kind of an interesting story behind that scene. Actually, uh, Joe Pesci, at, you know, it, when he first started out in acting, uh, was a waiter in the, you know, in Harlem, and he uh, he actually seen that scene happen, and he he, you know, he had lived it. I mean, no one knew that he was going to. So do that it. was not in the script. That was not in the script, and that was uh, you know spur of the moment thing, and uh, they were filming, and Marty says, "Keep filming, keep filming, keep filming," and did they did the scene in one take. So Martin Scorsese just was smart enough to see this was brilliant. Yeah, and it was I mean, great stuff. And Ray Liotta, of course, who played you in the movie, he reacted very interestingly to it. Uh, uh, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, he didn't know what was going on. That's interesting. You know, Next time we, I watch Good... It with oh, you discussed it with him? And what did he say to you? I mean, that, yeah, he, that he had no idea, you know. You know maybe maybe uh, Joe Pesci, you know, knew that he was going to do it, but no one else knew it. Well, that's the smart Marty. thing. Now, now, what did you think of Ray Liotta's uh, presentation of you, interpretation of you in the Goodfellas movie? He nailed it. I mean, he was... a. Uh, 99.9% there. I mean, he uh, he nailed it perfectly, you know, and uh, I don't know if he was doing drugs during the, you know, the <laughs> drug part, but... <laughs> he plays a good bad guy. He's been in several movies playing a very good bad guy. He's a great guy. actor. He's a great person. He's a good person, and uh, he's, a, he's a friend. When the feds played a tape recording, after 11, though, my partners were whacked, and they played a tape recording that I was going to get whacked, or that... Jimmy got the okay from Paulie. I mean, this was on tape, and they played it for me in my in my dining room at the at my home. And I says, "Well, I think it's about time." So they and, got the okay to kill you at that point. Yeah, they had discussed and, it, and it was decided. And yeah. once it's decided, nobody goes back on it, right, Henry? No, I mean it's a, you know, it's a done deal. Now, why did they kill everybody who was involved in the Lufthansa? Was it because of the fact that they all wanted to keep their share of the money, or they were afraid they were going to talk, or greed, uh, greed, uh, stupidity on their parts? You know, bugging Jimmy for their end of the money. You know, because Jimmy was controlling Jimmy and Paul were controlling the money, and all the stuff would have come out in the thirty-five hundred material, which you know, the, you know, from the investigations that they were investigating me. And it was all on tape. And, you know, it was just all would have came out. In the, so at that in, point, in the you really didn't have a choice. There's a scene in there where your wife is uh, dealing with, with uh, Jimmy, uh, Robert De Niro character, and they send her down the street, and she gets to an alley to look at furs or something, and then she backs up, and she says, uh-oh. She well, gets that, a bad feeling. I was supposed to meet Jimmy that day, so okay. she went in my place all right. to tell Jimmy that I couldn't make it. Uh, something came up. Uh-huh. And uh, and that she, she was like, I mean, we knew at that point that, I mean, the feds, the feds hadn't played the tape in but I said, you know, just be alert because, right. you know, something's coming down. I, I don't know what it is, but I know the way this guy thinks. 
You know, I mean, the handwriting was on the wall. Right. So she was pretty I, shook up when she got down there and had that close call with oh, Jimmy. Absolutely. He would have had her killed in that alley if she'd gone down that corner. Well, he would have held her there until, uh, you know, until I got I showed up, you know, and uh, then he would have walked the two of us. Now, what is and it he like? Away, he would have put my kids in the refrigerator to get to me at that point. Oh, my gosh. Do they I mean, do that? Does that happen with children very uh, often? You don't hear those stories. Does that happen? Well, yes. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, it's not supposed to happen with Italians. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the Columbians is okay for them to do it, and the, you know, and the blacks is okay for them to do it. But we're supposed to have a code. There's no code, you know. And you think people respect you, and you know, in that life, they they fear you, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's so sad, you know. Uh, it is. I mean, because you think you got respect, you don't got respect. Yeah. They, you know, and they don't want to cross you or, or offend you in any way. Right. No question. Now, so when you got the witness protection program, how how long were you in there? You because you got basically kicked out eventually, right? Because you weren't kind of playing by the rules. How shocking, Henry Hill. <laughs> you weren't playing by the rules. I'm so shocked. After a lifetime uh, of organized crime, you suddenly don't want to play by the rules. I messed up quite a few times. They, they did a great job. The, the witness protection people. They, they. I mean, they put the life on line for me. The FBI put the life on line for me. Uh, I'm, I'm still friends with a lot of agents and, and uh, marshals. They're great people. They protect you. Anybody out there has got a problem and doesn't know how to get out of it, contact your local office, believe me. Interesting. Now, how old were your kids when you went to witness protection? Uh, they, they were tots, uh, preteens. Preteens. So now they, they had to go with you. How was life for them? Quite difficult. I mean, you know, we moved uh, a dozen times, and... Uh, you know, and they had it, you know, different names three times, three different names. I mean, it, w- it was difficult for them. Myself, I was flying back and forth to New York. Because uh, you were still doing a lot sites. of testifying at that point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for seven years. And, you know, for them, you know, they lived a normal life, and they w- turned out to be normal adults. You said your I, son's a lawyer now in New York. I have a son's a lawyer. I have a daughter that's very successful. I have a little tot in college. You know, 19 year old. So they so they managed to come through it. Now, when you were uh, you were in the witness protection program, they they had to travel with you to a certain extent. While you were going back and forth testifying, obviously your life was very much in danger at that point, right? But I always had either marshals or FBI agents, or uh, there was always uh, there was always people with me. Is your life in danger now? Absolutely not. You know, I mean, all those people are dead from my past. I I I don't look over my shoulder. I don't go where I'm not supposed to go. And uh, you know, I mean. And if, you know, if, if, if someone is hurt on a wiretap, uh, you know, talking about me, I'm immediately notified by the feds. Oh, I see. They're watching that kind of thing oh, yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah. I have a handler and blah, blah. But you get to a certain point in your life and they're just not going to care. Because I've, I've talked to Frank Collada about that, too, who went into the witness protection program. He told me the same thing. They don't, there's nothing they're going to get from me at this point. There's no point. Because when you're killing somebody, generally you're killing somebody to prevent them from talking, right? More so than revenge. Is that generally why you whack somebody? Of course. I mean, you know, once you testify and, you know, and the appeals run out, it's... Uh, what can they do? Yeah, so, so they wouldn't just There's try no to... point. I mean, you know, unless you catch some crazy uh, loose horse, you know, wants to make a reputation of himself. But that, I mean, uh, people cherish their lives these days. I mean, even they've went underground. You know, the mobsters that's still alive today. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, not, no more John Gotti's out there. And that's a good thing, isn't it? (laughs) That was my chat with Henry Hill of Goodfellas fame. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be posting more of my archived interviews on my podcast, along with normal things that I put on my podcast, including current events and interviews with interesting authors and things like that, Uh, social issues, things that I find fascinating. So don't forget, you can find my podcast anywhere you get podcasts or also Alexa. Ask Alexa if you've got one of those things in your house. Alexa, play the Heidi Harris Show podcast. 
and check out HeidiHarris.com. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.